Welcome everyone to episode two. Uh, thank you for being here and listening in from wherever you're listening. Uh, today we are going to be discussing what the gospel is and not just what the gospel accounts are, but what is the gospel? Now, Paul writes in Romans 1 uh, from the very beginning, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, then he later writes in verse 16 of that same chapter that he is not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so the question that we want to ask and tackle and hopefully answer uh, in this episode is what is the gospel? And to, to help us on this journey, I have asked uh, Joel Radford of Dremoyne Baptist Church to join us and so, Joel, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are for our listeners? Uh, well, Joel Radford, um, I'm the preaching elder here at Dremoyne Baptist Church. Uh, I've been here since 2009, uh, so uh, I joined them then. I came straight out of Bible college here, and I'm married to my wife, Jill, and I have two children, Joshua and Philippa. I don't know how much of a history you want from me. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, you said that you're the preaching elder here. Now, for those that may be unfamiliar with that term, what difference is that to being the pastor of the church? Is is there a difference? Is it uh, is it just terminology for terminology's sake, or is there a particular biblical reason for those use of those words? Yeah, so here at Dremoyne Baptist, uh, we have uh, a plurality of elders. Uh, so we see uh, in church governance here, we have elders and we have deacons. Uh, deacons are for administration matters and elders are have the responsibility of teaching. And so we see that as uh, from scripture, that's the governance model for the church. And we then see that elders, generally in a church, there should be a plurality of elders, so there should be more than one. Uh, but generally speaking, in, in a lot of churches, they will talk about just the pastor. Um, the word pastor is actually a translation of the word shepherd in Greek. And the New Testament does use the word uh, overseer, which is also the episcopos, a bishop, uh, pastor, and elder interchangeably. So there, there's not a difference in office between a bishop and an elder and a pastor. Uh, they're just different descriptions for the same office. And so I would then see that the elders at the church are all pastors as well. And they're all bishops, they're all overseers in the New Testament usage of it. Uh, but there does seem to be in the New Testament, there seems to be a prominence to uh, maybe one elder who has a preaching and teaching role. And Paul speaks of that, uh, that, uh, that those elders are worthy of a double honor. And so then it seems to be that there, there is a place for having uh, one or a few elders who are more responsible for preaching and for teaching in a way that the other elders are not. So here at Dremoyne Baptist, we have uh, four elders. Uh, three are uh, employed in other work, uh, so we would call them lay elders, uh, but I'm the one who is paid full time to make sure that there's someone in the pulpit on Sundays to preach. And if there's a Bible study going, if there's only one, it would be me that's running that. Um, if there's any sort of teaching role that's happening, um, it would be my responsibility. Not to say that the other elders don't preach or teach, uh, but I am the 
one that's most prominent for that and I'm the one that's paid the big bucks, um, so to speak, uh, for making sure that uh, the pulpit is filled each Sunday. Right. And is ministry something that you always wanted to be a part of or full-time in that kind of pastoral role? No, not at all. I grew up a, a Baptist minister's son. Uh, so there's another term for you, minister. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so I grew up a Baptist minister's son and I wasn't attracted to the ministry based on uh, the experiences I saw my father go through. And so I then was quite keen to do something other than ministry. I was a Christian, uh, but I saw a place for being a very solid Christian within the pews and being supportive of a minister, uh, particularly given what I'd seen ministers can go through. And it, uh, so I concentrated on a, a career in health. I studied as a podiatrist. I, started, I did a PhD in um, medical research. Uh, and so I was quite uh, fixed on going down that path. And I was, although I was attending church regularly, reading my Bible every day, uh, growing as a Christian, I was not interested in going into ministry. And here you are. And yet here I am. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it, it happened at a conference. I was away uh, with my fiance at the time, and I heard uh, the preaching uh, of a particular pastor coming from the States uh, to preach at the conference, and I just came away saying, I want to do that. Wow. I want to share the gospel uh, the way he did. Uh, although it was a Christian convention, he was preaching through the book of Hebrews, and he was encouraging the saints all the way through, but this particular pastor, he always had a time in every sermon for, I want to speak to any unbelievers that are present, because there were thousands of people there, yeah. and he said, in a group this size, there's got to be unbelievers here, mm. and he always wanted to make a time for them, and I just, I said, I, I want to do that, and there was a fire kindled in my heart, which I didn't, wasn't aware of previously, uh, to become a minister, and, uh, and I tried to suppress it as much as I could, and then eventually gave way, and, uh, and started a Bible college, and then here I am. You said at that conference that it was there that you I want to preach the gospel that way. So that's a good segue into where we want to take this episode. Uh, as, as Paul writes numerous times throughout the, uh, throughout the New Testament, he, he always refers to this word gospel. What is the gospel? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's like asking how long is a piece of string, isn't it? <laughs> the gospel is so multifaceted. Um, to try and summarize it in uh, a few words is, is impossible, really. Uh, yet you do see the, the gospel given in different uh, ways in the New Testament, uh, summaries of it given. Uh, so we can't give an exhausted explanation of it because it's just uh, so extraordinary. Uh, but uh, you could turn to different verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, you can even look at uh, in Mark 1 where uh, Jesus says, repent and believe, um, the kingdom of heaven is near. And uh, so, yeah, as you could say, a summary of the gospel is repent and believe. Uh, but what do you believe? You've got to sort of spell that out. Um, and so, and uh, there's other other parts of scripture. I mean, there's longer ones. You, of course, look at the early chapters of the book of Romans. Uh, you've already quoted from Romans. Uh, but Romans chapter 3 uh, has what some people would say the heart of the, of the gospel in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, after explaining the, the depravity of man, but now our righteousness from God has been revealed um, but I mean there's different summary statements you can um, there's uh, people have come up with different things particularly here in Australia two ways to live um, a little model for explaining the gospel to people I like uh, the 
I try to teach people the gospel and to then teach others. Uh, God, man, Christ response. Have you heard of that, those four terms? So um, you speak about God. God is the creator of the world. And you speak about how he created all things uh, good. Uh, they were very good in his eyes after he had uh, created the world in six days. And But uh, then he created man. And, of course, man fell. Uh, so Genesis chapter 3 tells the awful uh, story of uh, the the fall of man and his sin and then of course the consequences of sin are, are spelled out there in Genesis chapter 3 uh, with the curses that come upon uh, man but then of course throughout scripture you see more and more of what that actually means that we're under a curse uh, and deserve eternal punishment in hell and so God man Christ uh, Christ then of course is the one that comes uh, he is the second uh, person of the Trinity the Son of God he is sent into this world uh, to live a righteous life so we see his active obedience in the way that he lived always under the law uh, perfectly uh, but then we also see what is termed as his passive obedience uh, where he went to the cross and took the penalty that we deserve uh, for our sin um, so God man Christ uh, Christ has come and by his atonement uh, we are saved uh, but then of course response and so this is where we need to respond with what uh, I said from Mark 1 where Jesus is preaching repent and believe uh, we need to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ Christ did not die for all men uh, he died for the elect he died for those who are his and uh, those who are his respond with repentance and faith and so we um, and so you can't just stop with uh, Jesus is Lord or Jesus died uh, for sinners no there needs to be a response and uh, so that's part of the gospel as well mm. So it's not enough to say, and, and I've been guilty coming from the background that I've come from, uh, to package the gospel in such a way that is really simple, like Jesus loves you and has a, a plan for your life. Is, is it, can the gospel be that simple or is that creating a false gospel or a, uh, a missed response in that sense? Like, are you believing, can you respond in belief to a message like Jesus loves you and has wants wants to give you everything and those kinds of things that we might say that sound nice mm. and warm to the heart but may not actually be how Paul or the other apostles preached the gospel. Mm. And I mean, it, it comes back to what it means that it's good news and to try and understand why the gospel is good news would take all day as well and and well it'll take all eternity <laughs> to unpack how 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 it is actually good news and and to understand how good the good news is is we've got to have the bad news first and where's the bad news in that that line of right. um, god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life where's the bad news where's mm. the bad news that you're a sinner who deserves to be eternally damned um, and see, it's once we understand how depraved we are, how helpless we are, how dead we are in our sins, and how much we deserve eternal torment, it then becomes even the, the good news seems all the greater. Uh, so it's, uh, it's the idea that um, because we are a great, we're great sinners, that Christ then, we realize that he's an even greater savior. Right. Um, we don't see Christ as a great savior, unless we realize how great our sin is. Mm. Um, people don't need Christ if they think that they're okay. Um, they see, and I see that all the time, that people, people are not interested in Jesus Christ because they don't see a need for Christ. Mm. But it's once you understand the bad news of how terrible we are and what a predicament we're in, 
that then we cry out to Christ and the good news becomes so immensely good. Mm. And, uh, and the love of God is shown uh, that he would, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. Whereas that kind of presentation, I mean, yes, God, of course, does love humanity in common grace. Uh, he does love uh, his elect, uh, as I said, Christ, uh, as we, Paul says, um, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we can tell people that God loves mm. them. God is love. Um, but what sort of love is a question that you want to raise. Mm. But then, of course, you've, you've got to go back further. And why is the love of God so marvelous? It's because he loves sinners. And that's just not there. Um, right. So it's God's love that we want to show in, I guess, in that small presentation, God loves you, but it's the, why does God love me? Mm. Is it because I'm worthy of love or mm. is it because he is good? And because I think some of the times we can present that, um, we can say, well, you must have been worth dying for. Mm. And so it's almost like you're more valuable or something. Is that is that a true statement or does, uh, does scripture offer a different point of uh, understanding like our value to God that he he would die like John 3:16 for God so loved the world well does that show that we are valuable to him or does that is it are we trying to put ourselves as the focus mm. of the gospel rather than Christ as the focus of the gospel mm. yeah so it's it's in it's important not to devalue humanity as well. We are made in the image of God, and we're still in the image of God even after the fall. And so it is quite serious. If, if I was to murder you, um, that is quite serious in mm. God's eyes because you are someone made in his image. Uh, but then, of course, we've got a, we've, we recognize that the Bible says that, yeah, we're dead in our transgressions. There's nothing valuable in us as Christians uh, that he would then elect us to belong to his family, that he would choose us. And so that's the... Um, in the acronym of TULIP, uh, unconditional election, and the letter U uh, stands for that there's nothing uh, about us that attracted us to him. And that comes through in the Old Testament as well when uh, the Lord speaks about the Israelites. He says, there was you, you were not some marvelous people, some great people that I, I brought you out of Egypt. It was, I, I just loved you. Mm. It's just because of my love. Um, so there's nothing about you. And if you look at the Israelites, they were uh, a stubborn, rebellious people. And uh, and God got frustrated with them many times. And it was it's through uh, their ongoing sin that we see how the, the long-suffering God uh, that he is. We see his attributes coming through. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's nothing about us. Uh, I, it isn't as though at one point uh, the, the Lord said, oh, look at Joel Radford, he'll be such an asset mm. uh, to my body. No, uh, there was nothing attractive about Joel Radford. Uh, it was purely by his grace that he has brought me in. And therefore, um, boasting is excluded, uh, as the Apostle Paul makes very clear about anybody that has been added to God's kingdom. Um, they boast in the Lord. They don't boast about how great they are and how much how wonderful it is that they're part of that. Uh, that God is so um, so blessed to have me in there in in His family. No, it's uh, all boasting goes back to Him, which of course is 
by the gospel is is such good news in the sense that it all reciprocates back to glory to God. Um, mm. So you start with God as the creator, and at the end of the, the 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 plan of salvation, the end game is for glory to go back to the creator as as originally uh, there at the garden. Well, even more so now that we know so much more of His attributes of mm. mercy and grace as displayed through fallen man, but then redemption through Christ. Um, so it all goes back to Him. Talking about boasting in in not in your own works not in your own merits uh, but in christ people uh, like to talk about sharing your testimony over sharing the bible and because scripture can be so grim in certain parts and and no one wants to know about sin and those kinds of things so but they can relate to a testimony if you come in from a very real uh, emotional standpoint of i went through this but yep. god is has done this uh, is that the same as sharing the gospel or is that taking that boasting and going, well, it's it's me, it's my story more than it is Christ? So is sharing your testimony the same as sharing the gospel or is it part of it? Is it okay just to leave it at sharing, the gospel, uh, sharing your testimony or is there something we can add to it to make sure it's the gospel presentation? Well, as I said before, um, if, you, if you don't call for a response, then I don't think you've preached the gospel. Um, and that's where repentance and, and faith, you, you, the, the gospel should be applied uh, to, the, to the hearer. And so there should be, it shouldn't just be um, that look at what God has done for me and, and there's no application of and you too are called to repent and believe as I did. Uh, so if you just share your testimony without any sort of uh, call for response, uh, then I don't think you've shared the gospel. Uh, you've just told a, a, a wonderful um, story about what God has done in your life, uh, but you haven't actually shared the gospel unless you, I think, call for a response uh, from people as the Lord Jesus did when he preached the gospel. Um, so, Yes, I think that, but sharing a testimony is a valid thing to do. Um, I mean, the Apostle Paul, uh, he does it. He talks about his conversion experience. He, he does that a number of times. Uh, and before even rulers, he, he shares what happened to him. And, and he also, uh, yeah, he, he calls the, the leaders to respond. It's uh, wonderful at the end there of Acts, where he's there and talking to the King Agrippa and, and telling him he needs to repent too. Um, so there is a there, there is a place for sharing a testimony and uh, and talking about what God has done uh, for us and and some people yeah will relate in a way that uh, or have ears to listen in a way that they wouldn't if you just gave them the Book of Romans. Um, I love the Book of Romans. Uh, it reads like a theological essay, uh, and it's it's just full of rich material. But a lot of people will find it unpalatable. Uh, it is uh, it is strong meat uh, mm -hmm. that's difficult to chew. And, uh, and so there are ways of, of feeding milk and one way is to share your testimony mm -hmm. and what God has done. And, uh, and so, and I mean, the apostles do that regularly through the book of Acts uh, would be an example of that. Um, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely does. So it's, it's, it's not the whole thing to, to share the testimony, but it can be a great way to introduce the gospel mm. as long as there's a response yeah. to repent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, we see there's there's a gospel that Jesus preaches in in the gospel accounts, and then there's the gospel that the apostles preach from Acts on. Is it the same? Because Christ hadn't died and resurrected, and so he he would say, "Repent, believe the kingdom is is near." Was that the same message that the apostles preached as mm. the gospel? Mm. 
Good question. Um, I think it's one and the same. I, I don't think we've got a different gospel, but of course the um, the redemption that was and that he, he spoke about that would happen to him, of course, has happened. Uh, but the gospel was being applied uh, to people all through the Old Testament. It's a common question that people will eventually raise uh, once they get to know a bit of uh, Christianity is like, well, what happens to Abraham? What mm. happens to all the people beforehand? Uh, were they saved? Mm. And the uh, Romans 3 talks about that, that uh, people were, uh, of course, saved uh, through the work that um, that Jesus would do. Um, uh, in verse uh, 25, after speaking about the righteousness of God coming uh, through faith, it says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Um, so there was a sense that he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So yes, the atonement hadn't been, uh, hadn't been made uh, until, of course, uh, you get that, that time where Jesus is on the cross. Uh, but, of course, uh, the, the gospel was still uh, being proclaimed and accepted. Uh, they didn't know all the details, mm -hmm. but they knew that God had... Uh, a wonderful plan for their life. Uh, God, God had a uh, that He had a plan, and uh, and that there was a Messiah to come that was spoken of even there back in the garden uh, that the Messiah would come and that He would crush the head of the serpent, mm. although His bru uh, His heel would be bruised. Um, so there was an ongoing uh, expectation that God had a way of salvation and that they trust in Him. I mean, Paul says that in, in Galatians that the gospel was announced beforehand uh, to mm. Abraham. Um, so. There, there, there is, uh, there is one and the same gospel all the way through. But of course, you get uh, differing aspects of it uh, emphasised and brought to light. Um, and the, I mean, you see the apostles; they're quite in the dark before uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. Uh, they don't really understand what's going on a lot of the time. And it's only after that they really comprehend what's going on. And it's the same with the the prophets in the Old Testament; uh, they don't understand necessarily. We 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 hear in in the New testament they didn't always understand what they mm. were talking about either and uh and it's only uh we're so blessed in many respects to be in this age where we have uh, such a, a greater understanding that's been given as we have the full canon of scripture uh, that explains so much of the the gospel that was announced beforehand uh, but we have even greater detail now a lot of a lot of arguments come out that uh christianity is a new thing or it's just for western civilization mm. but if we look at all scripture, mm. uh, we see that the gospel was from the very beginning. Mm. Uh, it's just, it might take a little bit more unpacking, mm. but we do see it. Uh, yep. We're at home. We're currently reading through uh, Leviticus, and we're up to Leviticus 14. So, looking at uh, leprosy and the laws of leprosy and uh, those kinds of things. So we're coming up to the Day of Atonement, which I'm mm. really excited for. But even seeing that the way that that uh, the dealing with people with leprous disease, you can see that there is a spiritual element which shows the gospel that mm. we are uh, we're, we're dirty in our sin, we're, we're, we're dead in our sin, that separates us from God's people mm. uh, like it did with them. Uh, mm. And it's not our own work that can, uh, that can bring us back into the camp, it's by God and God alone, and the priest would go out outside of the city and see if they were clean, mm. and then they would have a ceremony to show mm. that they had been clean. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't the ceremony that made them clean; God had made them 
Mm. And so it really does. You see the elements of the gospel mm. through it. Mm. Uh, and, and that's in Hebrews. Uh, yeah. picks up that Christ goes outside the camp, um, that he, he comes out. And by his disgrace in leaving the camp, we then can go inside. Yeah, mm. it's, it's all the way through from the garden, all the way through. All the way through. Um, yeah. And it, it, I guess it's the more you spend time in it, in, in the word, uh, the more you see that throughout all scripture. Because uh, uh, there's been uh, some contention over, over the last few years that is the is the Old Testament irrelevant to the gospel? Like, are we are we only to go the the New Testament? But uh, but Jesus himself says that all scripture, all writings, mm. all the prophets, they all point to me. Mm. And so, I guess we see that echoed again in uh, one Corinthians fifteen. Paul Paul says, like, I brought to you of, of first importance mm. uh, that according to the scriptures. Is Paul there talking that the gospel, Jesus died according to the scriptures, according to what the Old Testament says mm. about the scriptures, mm. uh, about the Messiah, mm. uh, even though they might not have had Jesus as a name mm. in that. So is that the according to the scriptures? Is it is it the Old Testament that Paul mm. is trying to point to mm. for the gospel? Yeah, yeah, I'd say generally speaking, I mean, the New Testament canon uh, comes in at different uh, times and, of course, different letters being written. And, of course, the Gospels uh, generally, uh, when I say Gospels, uh, I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, they're later, particularly John's Gospel, much later, although Mark uh, probably fairly early on. Uh, but even then, there's contention about that. But, yes, of course, the Scriptures generally would be referring to the Old Testament. And it's not a new um, idea, realistically, although it can get different prominence at different times, uh, that the the Old Testament is irrelevant. You see it in the early church. Um, Marcion, the, one of the early heretics, um, chopped out. And I mean, they started mm. chopping up the New Testament as well. But uh, he was quite keen to chop out the Old Testament. But as soon as you chop out the Old Testament, then of course you lose the foundation for the New as well. Um, we're built on the foundation of the uh, apostles and the prophets. And, and the, the New Testament is, we understand it through um, the, the Old Testament as well. Um, a lot of the Old Testament is, um, a lot of the New Testament would be uh, very difficult for us to understand unless we had the Old Testament. Mm. And you look at the book of Hebrews, it's quoting the Old Testament all the time. Mm. Um, and looking at the, the, the sacrificial system, uh, the Levitical system, uh, looking at uh, how the Israelites behaved in numbers, in the wanderings in the desert, and how that applies to us today. It'd be like chopping half your body off. Um, because, yeah, it's... it's um, Although we do recognise old covenant, new covenant time, but, of course, it, it, I see it as one overarching covenant of the covenant of grace mm. uh, that we have. And, uh, yes, there's different dispensations through the Bible uh, in the different covenants, but there's one overarching promise, and, uh, and it all fits together, and it... Uh, and the gospel is just so so multifaceted and, and trying to and trying to lock it down to um, just the New Testament. Um, you'd miss so much. Mm. Not saying that you can't just have the Gospel of John and 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 have access to the gospel, of course. Um, but you you miss uh, seeing all. Uh, well, not, not that we can see all, but you miss you miss so much. Uh, to, to glory in and get excited about even reading the book of Leviticus. <laughs> uh, you're one of the few people I've ever heard saying that they're getting excited about uh, particular chapters in Leviticus. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. Uh, the more you dig into some of these Old Testament books, the more you can get more and more excited uh, because you're seeing 
things in the Old Testament uh, that you hadn't seen before mm. that point to Christ and reveal just another little shade mm. um, of how beautiful the gospel actually is. Uh, so if I was to, to talk to someone who was Jewish in, uh, in their ethnicity and, and their, their cultural background, could you share the gospel and with them just using the Old Testament and then go, hey, it's Jesus? Like, is it that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's fairly easy to do, particularly if you use like Isaiah 53, which is the common one that mm. people would use for the suffering servant. And Isaiah 53 uh, points very clearly to this servant who would suffer on behalf of the sins of, of, the, of God's people. And as you read through it, it is very clear that it, I, I mean, there's different people who would say, oh, it's talking about Israel as a nation as a whole, but it, it's an individual that's going to suffer. Mm. And when you then look at the Gospels, um, yeah, you, you see that it's Jesus Christ. Uh, is the perfect fulfillment of that Isaiah 53 person. And so then that is often used with, uh, with uh, Jews. And once I heard, I haven't verified it, but there's uh, you know, often the, the, the readings within the synagogue, they will skip over. Oh, really? um, when they come through Isaiah, they'll actually skip over the chapter because it's just so powerful. Wow. If you let it be read, mm. then you run the risk of Jews converting to Christianity. Um, I'd be interested if anyone um, can. I, I've never verified that. I, where did I? Oh, I'm trying not to try and remember where I heard it. But um, <laughs> yes, but it, 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 it sounds like something that uh, you hear all kinds of things when you listen to lots of sermons. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, it's uh, if I can see how Jewish rabbis would be uh, hesitant mm. uh, because it is just so clearly pointing to Christ. But then, of course, it's not just Isaiah 53. You can go, um, Psalm 22. Mm. Um, there's so many uh, Psalm 69. All these different uh, parts of the scripture which talk about this suffering um that then is you just see it fulfilled in christ and even the new testament writers pick up on those uh, psalms and actually um or, or jesus says them himself mm. um and point to the relevance of them to the death of christ we've, we've gone through a lot of information what would be the the core tenets just again the, those essentials of the gospel god, god man christ response would be one way to do it yeah I, i'm cautious about ever saying that this, this is the, the way, way. Yeah. so there's some Two ways to live purists who almost seem to think that that's the way to do it. Um, no, I mean, you see, that's the beauty of the the New Testament and the Old. Let's not forget the Old. Uh, <laughs> that there's so many ways. that mm. the God, You can go through the book of Acts and see the different sermons um, and based on who you're speaking to. And so that's one of the things with um, uh, the Jews. You don't have to speak to them about God as creator. Um, so the God, man, Christ response. You can skip the God and the man part pretty quick. But if you're speaking to a Gentile audience, you want to go back to mm. you're a created being and you owe allegiance to a creator. Mm. And the reason you're what you are today is because you had a federal head, Adam, and he sinned and took you down with him. And you are guilty of his sin along with all your actual sin as well, all the sins you have committed. You're guilty before a, a wrathful God. Um, but you wouldn't have to do that with a, a Jew necessarily. If they're a good Jew mm. and they, they've learned their Torah well and they believe the Torah, well, then, of course, you don't have to do that. But then it jumps to Christ. And, right. and so then you, you emphasize the, 
the atoning work of the Lord Jesus uh, in, as uh, he has come uh, after we talk about our fall, uh, our sin. You talk about the atonement in Christ and then you call for the response of repentance and faith. And I, I mean, you can emphasize faith um, and not say repentance, um, <laughs> which you won't find the word repentance in the book of John. Um, but uh, you can also emphasize repentance uh, without saying faith. I think no. they're two sides of the one coin. Um, and so they go to get, they go hand in hand together. Um, so you can call people to repent sometimes, and you can call people to believe sometimes, and sometimes you can say repent and believe. Um, they go together. Uh, but there should be a call for a response of repentance and faith um, in some way. That people need to turn from their sin and turn to the righteousness uh, that is found in Christ and turn to following God and trust that he died in their place, that Christ died for them. Um, and is... Is it as simple for everyone? Like, a lot of people go, oh, I, I'm not great at speaking or anything like that. Should that discourage them from sharing the gospel? Should their, uh, their inability to have elegant words, I mean, we say even with Moses, he's like, I don't mm. really speak well. Uh, should that discourage someone from, from sharing the gospel? No. It shouldn't discourage them from doing it. I mean, you have to take into account your own abilities and the gifts that God has given you. Um, uh, but we shouldn't uh, look for excuses, uh, which is what I think Moses, mm. um, God isn't particularly happy with him when he keeps on saying, uh, giving reasons why he couldn't uh, go to Pharaoh. Uh, so, yes, we can, we, we should be, considering what our abilities are but then also we should uh, be sharing the gospel we we have we're instructed to be a light on a hill and it's amazing the how little we can say and yet god can use to bring about the salvation of people um the, the, one of the classic examples is uh, is spurgeon um who god used so powerfully than the Baptist minister from the 1800s and uh, and he was testing the acoustics in a building that was being repaired and he said he tested it by saying look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and there was a workman unbeknown to Spurgeon uh, working on a part of the building and he heard it and he put down his tools went home was convicted and became a christian right. uh, just from that line look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world now, is that a complete gospel presentation? Yeah, God, man, Christ response? Um, no, you would say there's lots lacking. He should have added all these other things. No, but uh, God used that. See, this is in the quotes of Scripture. And scripture is so powerful. This is why we encourage people to memorize Scripture and to have Scripture in their heads and to speak Scripture, speak the very words of God to people. Because it's when Scripture goes out that ears are opened and hearts are changed. And so you can memorize certain parts of Scripture. You don't have to make up the gospel message. Mm. No, that would be the dangerous thing to do. Uh, the gospel message is given to us. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a statement that has been given to us, a, a message from our, our king. We go as ambassadors, and we're meant to deliver that message. And we, uh, we can share it in some form that we can remember, and then God can use it. So even you may say the same thing again and again and again. Go for it, um, if that's all you can remember. 
Um, now, some of some people are uh, are able to look at where someone's at and be able to work out what is the best uh, way to tackle where that person's at uh, and to answer their questions and what do they most need to hear. What's the best thing to talk to them about? Uh, whether it's a Jew, whether it's a Gentile, uh, based on uh, their uh, what sort of sins they may be engaged in, uh, you can adapt your message accordingly. And if you're clever enough to do that, then that's great. But you should not be put off because you aren't clever enough mm. to do that. Uh, you can share the gospel in a very small way, and it can and God can use it uh, to bring light to someone's soul. The way I like, uh, I had an illustration that I used early on in my preaching uh, in one of my sermons, and I never reuse illustrations, uh, so I've never been able to use it again since. But um, I really liked it. Um, when you think about uh, the light that uh, when the idea of the gospel being the light and you can you can have a really bright light on and you can see lots of things you can see a lot of your darkness within uh, but you can also have a very faint light and I still remember a house we lived in uh, there was a, a smoke alarm just outside the doorway and it was a it was a house that was far away from street lights and everything and so it was a very dark house and this hallway was enclosed and at night the tiny little green um, mm. LED light that was in that smoke alarm was sufficient for me to go along the hallway and see my way to the bathroom oh wow and so there's enough light in that for me to get to where I need to go mm. and if you think of that if you can just be that tiny little LED light you can still lead someone to Christ. Even though you may not be able to be a big, broad um, um, uh, light with lots of lumens, yeah. uh, which some other people can be, but even then, as they shine out their lumens, um, it's only by God's grace that he'll use all those lumens that they can project of the gospel to bring someone to salvation. Mm. They can't, even by shining the greatest, um, doing the best gospel presentation you can possibly do, you can't actually get anyone into the kingdom unless God uses that gospel presentation. Mm -hmm. And he can use a really powerful, wonderful presentation. And he can also use a very small, weak presentation. And sometimes he really likes to use the weak ones to shame the strong. Uh, to And uh, it's amazing. You can, you can think, oh, I've shared the gospel with this person so many times. And you've done a splendid job. And then you know what your mum does? She goes and she reads some fragment of something on that seems like the most pathetic presentation or a book that you think is, is weak. And then God uses that mm. to bring her to salvation. And what does that do? Well, it shows the power of God, but it also shames you that, you know, you recognize, well, at the end of the day, it's all of God. Um, and so we shouldn't rest upon ourselves. Of course, we always come and our gospel presentations, we rest upon uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, Last question. I know you love to read. Oh, yes. So is there uh, one ultimate go-to book about the gospel, apart from scripture itself, is there something that really unpacks what the gospel is that, that you could recommend? It's hard. This is where you've got to know your audience and what they would find palatable because um, I read a lot of older books as well. Uh, and so they may not necessarily be as easy for people to read. Uh, one of the m more modern ones that I, I particularly liked is uh, What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert? That answers your question uh, fairly easily because, um, yeah, the title sets it there for you. <laughs> what is the Gospel? And he, he has God, man, Christ response in that. And so that's uh, probably, and it's easy to digest. Um, it talks about wrong, 
uh, presentations of the gospel, some of the things that you've been speaking about today. So it probably answered most of the questions that you've even raised today. Um, and it's in a fairly easy format. It comes out of the nine marks work, which has been very valuable. And as I said at the beginning, um, the reason I'm in ministry is uh, uh, because I didn't say who it was. That, that conference speaker that came was Mark Dever, uh, the minister at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, who is responsible for um, nine marks and all the books that have come out of, of that. And uh, yeah, and so hearing him preach the gospel is what attracted me into ministry. And, uh, and so I've been greatly blessed by his books and then, of course, any books that have been published under his sort of headship, uh, his, his, his friends and associates. Uh, so Greg Gilbert's What is the Gospel is probably, the, and it's easy to access probably today uh, as opposed to out-of-print stuff. Great. Well, thank you, Joel, for uh, answering so many questions about what the Gospel is. Like you said, we could go on all day, all eternity for, uh, to unpack what the gospel is. But I, I think that that was very, uh, a very clear uh, picture of, of what the gospel is and that we should be able to uh, be comfortable enough to present it even if we don't have the words, uh, all the words together. Um, we can still be used by God to, to, to speak it. So thank you again. Uh, if anyone wants to listen to your, your sermons or any of the sermons from Dremoyne Baptist Church, is the website the best way to reach? Uh, so, yeah, dremoynebaptist.org.au if people wanted to uh, listen to some sermons. Um, I think it's accessible through iTunes as well, um, the podcast. So that's just my sermons each week. Wonderful. I know that was an extra question after I already said That's all right. not uh, that we'd be finishing on the book question, but uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope you're encouraged by what was spoken about today. Uh, if you've got any questions, by all means, go for it. You can reach me on Instagram uh, at Mr. Ash Adams, or you can go and see the, the podcast in Instagram, which is at Pilgrim's Podcast. Uh, but that is it for now. Until next time, this has been your Pilgrim, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>